having my local friends on the show, bottles that I regret buying, and cigar and bourbon pairings. What's up, guys? My name is Chris, and you are listening to the Whiskey Noobs Podcast. And today is another one of our Q&A episodes where I answer questions from you guys, the listeners. You can submit a question every Wednesday on Instagram through my Instagram story, or if you join the Patreon page, you can submit a question through there and jump to the front of the line. Now, before we get to the questions today, I do have a couple of things that I want to talk about. And the first one is actually in relation to the first question. So the first question that we have is, when am I going to have more of my local friends on this show? Justin, Bryce, Zach, you guys might know them as the guest noobs that I have on the show quite a bit. Well, the reason that I wanted to zero in on this question is because I wanted to take a minute to recognize that the the theme of the show, the things that I have been doing on the show have drifted a little bit. Not necessarily drifted, but they've grown. The scale of the show has grown, and with that the scope of the show has grown a little bit. And I recognize that not everybody wants all of the interviews and all of the different type of content that I've been doing on the show lately. So I want to take a minute to say I am planning to refocus the show to make it a lot more of what Whiskey Noobs once was and still sprinkle in some of those distiller reviews, some of those talking with people in the industry to learn about their perspective on the industry. But I do apologize for kind of, kind of I don't want to say getting carried away with the interviews, but I, I guess I didn't recognize recognize that you're listening to a bunch of strangers, whereas you feel like you might have a connection with myself and with Bryce and Zach and Justin. And so I got some feedback through Instagram. I posted something to my story. Thank you to all of you guys who voted on it. And you guys basically said you want more of the old school whiskey noobs. You want more of the educational episodes that I do by myself. You want more of the experiments and the having my local friends on. And you, a lot of you did say you like the interviews, but you just don't want so much of it. So I really appreciate you guys giving me that feedback. I totally recognize that the scope of the show drifted kind of a lot. And listen, I love making all of it. All of this content is a blast for me. Of course, it's fun for me to talk to the distillers and get to pick their brains. But the rest of this is fun for me as well. I love the educational episodes. They're really easy for me to shoot, for one. And I also love having my friends on because they're my friends, you know, my local friends, the ones that I know in person that I've known for years. It's easy. So, All of that is to say more of that content is to come. And it was ironic that somebody asks this question actually before I had even asked about what you guys wanted to see a little bit differently. So it was already an indication that you guys wanted to see more of that type of stuff. And I'm letting you know now that you will be getting more of that type of stuff. Thank you for sticking with me through the growing pains, through the ups and the downs. This all started with a microphone in my one-bedroom apartment. I had no idea where it was going to head. And now I feel like we have an established scope. We have an established... We have what Whiskey Noobs' voice is. There are plenty of podcasts that just talk to people into the industry, just talk about news and the things coming out in the whiskey world, and that is not what this podcast needs to be. There will still be industry professionals, especially on occasion, because I think they're great to kind of sprinkle in as a treat, Um, but I definitely plan to get back more towards what built the Whiskey Noobs podcast in the first place. All right, that's what I will say about that, and that is my answer to that question. It's definitely I'll be having some more friends on the show here soon. 
definitely I will be working on narrowing in the scope of Whiskey Noobs a little bit to that content that you guys want specifically. And that being said, if you have a different opinion or if you want to see something specific, please do not hesitate to let me know. Shoot me an email, whiskeynoobspodcast.gmail.com. You can also on Spotify, you can respond to this episode and you can put a little comment or a Q&A or however that works. If you just scroll on Spotify, it's right there. Um, and you can also do that. You can comment on wherever you're listening, leave reviews, those sorts of things. Um, and please, if you have a moment to leave a five-star review, that's super helpful. But that's all I have to say about that. So we will be re-narrowing that scope a little bit and hopefully getting back to that content that you guys are looking for. That being said, I am working on a lot of initiatives to make the quality better. So not just the information that I'm giving you guys. I was giving you guys decent information with a $40 microphone and no camera back in my one-bedroom apartment. I want to bring you guys higher quality. I want to give you guys better cameras. I want to give you guys much better editing than what I currently provide. And all that being said, the audio-only podcast that I was producing, I was producing while making maybe one TikTok a week. So time has become very limited. I'm working on getting actual editing, getting you guys better cameras, and getting a better quality podcast. But all of that comes at a cost. So if you've ever wanted to join the Patreon, there has never been a better time. There has never been a time where it would be more important than right now because I'm currently working on raising the funds to bring in some better editing and also relieve that time that I would spend editing and use it to create better episode ideas and do more research for the episodes and those sorts of things. So if you click the link in the show notes or go to patreon.com slash whiskey noobs, if you're interested, you can join the Patreon through there. And I very, very much appreciate all of you patrons. I can't thank you guys enough. And you're making such a difference that I might be able to be doing these things like getting better editing, those sorts of things. I'm already talking with an editor right now. It's just a little bit out of the price range of the podcast to keep it self-sufficient. If I have to, I might throw some personal money at it as I have with this entire podcast but we are self-funded and so patreon is a very very helpful way to do that okay that was actually technically the first question because it, it was spurred by when am i going to have my local friends back on the show but i did skip past our mystery whiskey tasting i skipped past it because i wanted to get the announcements out of the way i'm gonna do a very quick tasting of a mystery whiskey that has been on the show in the past dozen two dozen episodes and i'm going to give you guys some flavor notes so you can try to guess what it is which will help you with your blind tasting skills and with narrowing down notes in whiskeys i'm blabbering too much i want to drink this whiskey because i've been smelling it this whole time let's go on the nose, I just got like orange soda, which I did not expect. Very fruit forward on the nose. Definitely sweet. I'm going to dive into the palate. On the palate, right off the bat, it's very fruit forward as well. Maybe a little bit of a butteriness. Definitely some citrus. Definitely some stone fruits. That's all I'm going to say for right now because I fear I may have already said too much. Hopefully I didn't. Now, let's get to this week's questions. Aside from that first one, uh, specifically that question, now that I can read it, was let's get your local friends back on. Always a good episode with them. I appreciate that feedback. Your guys' feedback is super important to me. So I really appreciate it, especially the five-star reviews. If you have something unkind to say, you can say it in the reviews. I'm not going to stop you. I would much prefer that it was an email so it doesn't harm the show, but you know, I don't have any say in that. I'm just being transparent with you guys. The next question is, are there any bottles that I've really regretted buying? 
I really like this question. Uh, it comes to us from a patron, so thank you very much for your support. And I love this question because it's so not easy to answer. Are there are there bottles that I have not liked that I've bought them and thought I'm not a fan of this? Absolutely. Um, I think the biggest example I talk about all the time is Tenjaku Japanese whiskey. I don't mean to always crap on it. It's not a bad whiskey. I just don't like the way that it tastes. It just has a profile that I don't like. But the thing is, I don't necessarily regret buying it. And so that's where this is a complex question. Because there are definitely bottles I wish I didn't, not that I wish I didn't buy, that I don't like. There are bottles that I don't like. But there aren't many bottles that I wish I didn't buy. Because I learned something from the ones that I don't like. Now, the only respect to which I wish I didn't buy them is that I don't just have infinite money. So especially if I spend a lot of money on a bottle and then I don't like it, then a lot of times I'll regret buying it. Here's the flip side of that coin. And this is why I made this a long-form question. uh, Because I will do a lightning round at the end and, and kind of blast through them as fast as I can. The reason this is a long-form question is there's another side to this, and it's I don't necessarily regret buying them if I put them on my shelf and I can share them with somebody, and somebody will like them better. A great example is uh, Nika Coffee Grain Whiskey. I am not a fan of it. I, I thought it was very overpriced, but it was interesting. It was just overpriced for me and just not my palate. But on episode, I think it was 129, I let Bryce try some of it, and he thought it was super interesting. He was very like, what is this? And now I know when he comes over, he might want to try some of that again. He might enjoy that, and other people might as well. So there's always kind of a flip side. Maybe it's just because I'm always trying to look for the positive side of things. But most things I don't fully regret buying as long as I think I can find a use for them. I would say the most quote-unquote regrettable purchases are ones that I overspend on because I think they're going to be super good and then they're just meh. Thankfully, I don't really do anything. I don't think I've ever bought anything off like a secondary market or a gouged retail Um, because there is, you know, there's a secondary market where somebody buys it and they sell it illegally. That happens and it shouldn't happen, but it does. Uh, Then there's also the retail market that gets gouged where retailers say we're going to jack up the prices because we know we can um, I, I haven't really bought much of anything on either of those markets, thankfully. But I have bought some stuff that I considered a little bit overhyped. Um, I think the Blood Oath, the, both of these things were things that I think I just got the batch that people were the least impressed with. So Blood Oath Pact number nine, I'm looking at it right now. I really like it. Really good drink. Do not get me wrong. But I'm pretty sure after tax, it cost me $150. And I was like, I don't know if it was worth quite that. I still don't necessarily regret it because it's absolutely still, for me, a special occasion drink. I still think it's tasty. Uh, Same thing with Booker's. I forget what batch I had, so I can't even tell you. But I remember that it was a batch that was not very good. Still tastes like an expensive bourbon. Still tastes like it should cost more than $50. It does not taste like it should cost $100, which is what I paid for it. So that's kind of where I'm at with regrets. And those are my most common regrets are ones that are up in that $100 or more range, and they don't necessarily live up to it. Now, Max also asked if I've ever tried Writer's Tears Cask Strength, and I will just say now that I have not. So I may have to try that at some point in the future. But I haven't tried it, so I can't give any opinion on it. The next question we have is, will I ever post a series of cigar and bourbon pairings? This person says they love both, both bourbon and cigars. I love this question because it comes at a very convenient time. 
If you follow me on Instagram, you might have seen that I now post one cigar per week. That's because I'm working with one of my friends. His name is Adam. He's at Dreamer Cigars. We have had him on the show. I will look up what episode that is. But he's been on the show, and he's doing like a cigar of the week thing now. And so I am getting those cigars of the week. He's just sending them to me. We are friends. Um, like offline, we're, we're kind of friends as well. We talk and text and things like that, even though we're in different states. Um, so he's sending me them, and I'm posting them. And he gave me a discount code so that you guys can buy them with the discounted code. And I, I am truly about this. Like I don't ever take the time to smoke cigars. So when he said he'd send them to me, if I posted them, I was like, this is a perfect excuse for me to uh, smoke a cigar once a week. And to be clear, a lot of times if I were to do sponsored story posts, I would make the people pay me for them. So this is more of like a friendship transaction where I believe in what Adam is doing. I'll get a small percentage if you guys use my my code. Um, but it's not necessarily as much of a business transaction. And I, it's because I stand behind what he's doing. He, so he's doing the Cigar of the Week where you get to try a different cigar every week. He, he puts them on his website and sells them at a nice price. And it gives you the opportunity to try these different cigars. And he's purposefully picking ones kind of like I do with the email list on the show where it's like I'm picking ones that I think can walk you along your journey and so far for me it's been super helpful it's been super helpful because I it's giving me the opportunity to try things I would not normally try a hundred percent I wouldn't normally try these cigars because I don't know I don't have enough time to know that much about cigars and that much about whiskey so I'll go into a store and I'll be like that looks good and I'll buy it all of that is to say that with those cigars I've been posting every week, I've also been doing whiskey tastings, and I'm trying to get better at pairing. So I will give you my brief philosophy on pairing whiskey, uh, whiskey or bourbon, like specifically bourbon or just whiskey, with cigars, and then I'll also kind of hopefully expand that philosophy in the coming weeks, which I've been trying to do. My philosophy is I like to try to pick one thing that I want to focus more on. So if I want to enjoy the glass of whiskey with a cigar, I will pick a whiskey that's going to stand out over the cigar. A lot of times the whiskey will be a stronger whiskey or a bolder whiskey and or the cigar will be a mellower cigar. If I want to have a cigar and just have a glass of whiskey with it, I'll do the opposite. I'll have a bold cigar, something flavorful, and or a very mellow whiskey that's not going to steamroll it. That's my general philosophy. And I also will try to match notes. So I'll try to pick something that has a little bit in common, but not necessarily a lot, or something that has nothing in common and they kind of complement each other. I'll try to do a, a matchup like that. That's always kind of been my general philosophy, but I'm working on getting better at that. So getting better at, you know, not necessarily just I want to pay more attention to the whiskey, but these two just go together. Whether or not one is stronger than the other, they go together. They're giving me a different flavor that I didn't get without them, or this cigar is making this whiskey taste better, or this whiskey is making this cigar taste better. I'm working on getting better at those sorts of pairings, mostly by experience and just trying to learn a little bit. Adam, Dreamer Cigars, he posts a lot of great content about it. I'm trying to learn a little bit more about it and get better at it. So hopefully I will be able to bring you guys some videos and maybe a podcast on pairing as I learn more about it. 
So that was a really long way of saying I'm learning about it, uh, but I, I felt like it was so appropriate for the time because I'm really trying to learn more about cigars at the moment and, uh, and get back on that train. Cigars, for those of you who are OGs, you know I was into cigars before I was into whiskey. So cigars were my first love, and then I moved to whiskey because you used to be able to get cigars when you were 18. Now I'm rambling. The next question we have is explain foolproof cask strength straight and bottled and bond in terms of whiskey. Okay, so these all do have their own meetings behind them, and I break all of it down in episode number 89, the types of bourbon in their terms, but I'll run through it briefly here. Foolproof and cask strength are not the same thing. Foolproof, especially in the case of Weller foolproof, typically means that they are taking a whiskey, they're putting it into barrels, and then they're watering it back down to the strength that it was when it came off of the still. So it's going to be a consistent proof, just like Weller Full Proof, which is always 114 proof. Now, cask strength is different from that. Cask strength means that they are selling you that whiskey at the strength that it came out of the barrel. So they put it in the barrel to age it, it becomes whatever strength because some water evaporates, and then they take it, they dump it out, they filter it and they put it in a bottle and that's the strength that you are getting. So that strength will be inconsistent. You're not going to always have the same proof. It's going to depend on which barrel it came out of if it's a single barrel or you can blend a bunch of barrels together without watering them down at all and it will just be whatever strength that batch of the whiskey was. Now straight means something a little bit different. There are extra legal things attached to it, but the main thing that I always keep in my mind is if a bourbon is a straight bourbon, it has to be aged at least two years. There are different laws and different types of whiskeys have different meanings for the straight in the name, but that's just the one that I like to keep in mind is if it's a straight bourbon, it's aged at least two years. Bottled and Bond has a lot more laws associated with it because it was the first ever consumer protection law in the United States of America. So a Bottled and Bond whiskey is a whiskey that has to be made by one distiller in the same distilling season. It has to be aged in a government bonded warehouse under government supervision for at least four years. And there's a lot more that goes along with it, but that just gives you an idea of the fact that the government was saying, hey, we want to make sure that you're actually getting the whiskey that you think you're buying. And that was the main idea with it. Once again, there are more things associated with those terms. So if you want the more in-depth information, go check out episode number 89, where I dig a little bit deeper into that. The next person asks, what barrel finish seems too overhyped or you can't quite jump on that train? This is a great question because I think bourbon is getting very divided and reviews are getting very unpredictable because of all the finishing going on. And I don't necessarily think that is a bad thing. Let me explain. Because all these finishes are happening, you're getting flavors that never existed in bourbon before because they are finished bourbons. That's going to be a later question, but they are finished bourbons. It's not just bourbon. Just bourbon has a narrower scope of flavor. Not super narrow, but some people like to think all bourbons taste the same. They certainly do not, but it has a narrower scope of flavor. With all this finishing going on, we're starting to get into territory where people are having very different opinions of it finishes can be very divisive. So the obvious examples, the trailblazer, Angel's Envy, some people love it. I really enjoy it. Some people hate it. 
now that we have all these different finishes coming out, you've got things like Amberana, Toasted Oak. You've got things like Honey Finishes. There's all these different finishes coming out. And so it's becoming very divisive because they're more specific of a flavor than just bourbon. So there are some people who are going to love it and there are some people who are going to hate it. And with any type of finish, there are some people who are going to say that makes it taste better. And there are some people who are going to say it doesn't taste enough like bourbon anymore. So that's where I think things are really getting divisive. So the reason I say that is to say I think finishing bourbons is a great thing as long as you're calling it a finished bourbon. That's a whole different ballgame. We did a whole episode on that. Episode number 115 with Wes Henderson from the Angels Envy Distillery, the founder of Angels Envy. But my point is that you're going to see more divisive reviews. You're going to see people who like and who don't like those different types of whiskey. Now, are there any that I think are overrated? Not really, because I think they're all doing something different. I think the most obvious answer right now is Amberana because we're seeing so many people do it. And it just has a very specific flavor. So some people are hating on it. Some people are saying the only good Amberana finishes are the ones that don't necessarily taste super Amberana-y. Like I'm seeing a lot of reviews saying they don't overdo it with, with this one. But the thing is, what is overdoing it? That is that is in your head. That is uh, subjective is the word that I'm looking for. So if you wanted to have an Amberana finish that tastes super like Amberana, then you want it to, then some people are going to say well that, that just tastes too much like amberana that's kind of my point with how this is getting divisive and i don't think anybody's wrong to be very clear i do think that subjectivity is slipping into reviews a lot more now that we're seeing these different types of finishes so that's why i think that was a, a kind of an important one that i wanted to answer in long form now Let's get to our lightning round, but first I'm going to do a very quick tasting. We're going to move into the lightning round. I'm going to answer you guys' questions as fast as I am able to. Let's taste this mystery whiskey. This is definitely fruit forward with those stone fruits. I'm getting a little bit of a red fruit now, and then I'm getting a little bit of like a buttery granola, and maybe that gives it away, although I think there are two that people might be guessing right now, not just one, so... Maybe that gives it away, but that's what I'm tasting right now. The next question that we have, I'm going into the lightning round now. Is there a bourbon worth drinking under $10 anymore? Personally, I can't think of a bourbon for less than $10 that I like very much. I think maybe benchmark is $10 or $11, uh, but not that I would like to drink neat. And the reason I say that is to say, yes, bourbon is getting pretty expensive. I mean, everything's getting more expensive, uh, but bourbon is getting very expensive, and I do think that hopefully uh, pushing budget brands and continuing to try to uh, lower the hype around some of these whiskeys is going to help that. So I, I have been doing a lot of pushing budget things, and I'm going to try to continue to do that. But less than $10, I can't think of anything off the top of my head that I would personally drink neat, and I don't say that to be snobbish. If there's something you would drink neat, that's awesome, and I think you should buy it because for less than $10, that's great. The next question is, what bourbon are you typically pairing with a medium or full-body cigar? I meant to lump this in with the earlier cigar question, so refer to the earlier question with how I would do pairings, but hopefully I'll have more info for you here coming soon. The next question is, what do I think about Amberana finishes? 
uh, Red Line, ASW, RD1, etc. Ironically, I haven't had many Amberana finishes. I know that they're so huge right now. And I tried some of them at Kentucky Bourbon Festival. Um, I like it because I think it's so different and I'm impressed by how different it is. So I really enjoy the Amberana finishes. I don't even care if they go a little bit overboard with the Amberana because I'm like, it's interesting. But of course, there's always the chance that you're you're only like you're not getting any balance. You're only getting that Amberana. And and that can happen. But I'm impressed by it. I think it's very interesting. The next person asks, have you tried the new Elijah Craig Barrel Proof C923? Insert the world's smallest violin because I have not. I haven't had it. I can't give you my opinion on it. I haven't even seen it. So moving on because that's making me sad. The next question. Good question, though. Thank you for the question. I'm just kidding. Moving on to the next question. What bourbon brand have you bought the most? This question got me thinking, and I don't know for sure, although I think Heaven Hill is a solid contender because Heaven Hill makes a ton of brands most of which I like. They make Evan Williams. They make Elijah Craig. Heaven Heaven Williams. Heaven Hill bottled and bond seven year I really enjoy. Uh, I forget which ones I just said, so I can't remember the one that I'm forgetting right now. But you get the idea. They make a lot of... Oh, Larceny, if I didn't say Larceny. They make a lot of different things that I like. So Heaven Hill's probably the one that I've bought the most. Or obviously Buffalo Trace is a contender, but honestly I might have more Heaven Hill than Buffalo Trace. The next person says, I've been getting into scotch and I love the earthiness. Is there a scotch you like that is smoky and earthy? If you like smokiness, um, you're probably going to want to aim for something kind of peated. Now, because you say earthy, I want to mention briefly Chivas Regal 12-year because it has a very grassy type of a note to it to me, herbal kind of earthy. I think it's pretty interesting, and it's very inexpensive. But I also will have to mention my current favorite peated scotch, which is Lagavulin 16-year. Just had that on the show a few episodes ago with Connor from Who Gives a Dram. Let's see what episode that was. Episode number 117 with Connor from Who Gives a Dram. It was a great pour. He recommended that I buy that, and I'm glad that I did. It's so good. It is worth the money. I think it's about 100 bucks. It's an expensive one. To me, it's worth the money. The next question is, please share your thoughts on adding a drop of water to open it up or bloom the whiskey. I think adding a drop of water teaches you something about the whiskey. It gives you a different perspective on the whiskey. I do not think that opening up the whiskey is necessary to taste the whiskey. It's a very important distinction to make. Does something chemically happen when you add water to your whiskey? Absolutely. Do you have to do it to see the quote-unquote true flavors of the whiskey? No. That would be the same as me saying you have to add salt to your food in order to experience the real flavor. Salt's going to enhance some things. It's going to make it taste a little bit different, but it's not necessary, especially not if it's a dish that's not meant to have salt added to it. That's the way that I've always looked at adding ice, adding water, all of those things. Good question, though. The next question is, what are my thoughts on waiting in lines at lotteries or allocated drops and camping out? I've done it. Uh, I've done it, and I don't have a problem with it. I know that there's so many debates about the correct way to wait in line, uh, leaving chairs, leaving different things in your place in line. Is that okay? Is it not? In general, I think the lines are getting a little bit crazy, so I do not participate nearly as much as I used to. But I do think it's an honest way to get whiskey. Um, I don't have to wait in line for lotteries though because Ohio doesn't do it that way. So I'm speaking from an Ohio perspective where if you wait in line sometimes an hour before you might get something good. A lot of times there are people waiting in line the night before if something good is expected to release and I don't do any of that. Um, So I think it stinks that you have to do that 
but hopefully we'll see that change in the future. The next person asks, how often in a week do I have a drink? Is it every night? I don't have a drink every night. Um, I usually try to limit myself to probably, I'm going to guess, three nights a week of weeknights. And then lately I've been limiting myself to one fun, quote unquote, fun drink per weekend. So like lately it's been um, like a pumpkin beer or something fall-esque. Um, other than that, it's just whiskey tastings, but I, I will, it's not like a hard rule. It's not like a principle. Um, so for example, if I have something to celebrate or I have somewhere that I'm going to be social drinking, I'll, I'll give the example of like a wedding. I'll probably just limit the number that I'm going to have. I'll say, I'm going to have four drinks this weekend. That's probably the way that I'm going to do it, but I have been consciously cutting back. And, And I think it's important to say that I'm not like, oh my gosh, I need to not drink at all. I'm just making a conscious effort to cut back. So on your average week, I would say three nights a week of whiskey noobs tastings and then one night a, one drink a week of whatever Chris wants, which has helped me to cut back on my drinking quite a bit. Because if you have three tastings a week and you add in three or four fun drinks, I mow the lawn and I have a beer and then I go out with friends and I have two drinks and I'm not drunk any of those times a lot of the time. That's adding up to quite a bit of alcohol. So that's why I'm doing that. I don't judge anybody who doesn't do it. I think all of my friends don't do that. All of my friends just drink what they want when they want. Um, Family members, loved ones. I'm not against it. I'm just, that's what I'm doing because I'm trying to make an effort to cut back on how much I'm drinking. The next person asks kind of the opposite of an earlier question. What's my favorite second barrel finish? So I think they mean it's a little, what's my favorite What's my second barrel favorite finish? So, okay. So I get it now. Uh, What is my favorite finish of a whiskey? Meaning like the second barrel that it goes into. So it's a finish. It's not what it's being matured in. It's the second barrel, the finish. Good question. So wine, honey, Amberana, et cetera. I think just because it's what I have the most experience with, uh, wine traditionally has been one that I really liked. Uh, Pinot Noir finish, port wine finish, Madeira finish. I was going to say like rum and stuff because of barrel seagrass, but I just remember that it has Madeira as well. So definitely wine based, I tend to be a big fan of, but that's not for, um, that's not like, Oh, I've tried them all and I love wine the most. It's more like I've had wine the most. So I like it a lot. Um, but I'm definitely looking to try more. I also love French oak staves. Uh, so like your maker's mark 46, your Penelope, uh, new Lou French Oak. They just did a video on. I like French Oak. I think that always leaves a, a pretty nice taste as well. What are my thoughts on Penelope and blue run and or blue run? Uh, I really like Penelope. I've had a lot of their different things. I just mentioned, uh, architect. I really like architect. I really like their toasted, which is behind me right here. Um, and blue run. I've only had a couple of samples of, I'm looking to get a bottle here soon and do a little bit more trying. Um, but I, I liked the couple of samples that I had while I was in Kentucky. So both good brands that I am more than happy to review when requested. Uh, the next question is, do I ever drink beer? Ironically, I, I didn't even think about this. I just answered that, uh, with that question about how much I drink. Yes, I do. Um, usually not light beer for me. It's just not worth the hundred or so calories that it is. Cause I just don't like the taste of it too much on occasion. I'd get a hankering for like a light beer just cause I, you know, I drank it so much in college and with my friends that it kind of gives me sentimental value, uh, but more so 
stouts, seasonal drinks. So like I said, pumpkin beer right now, Christmas beer here in a little bit. Um, the seasonal types of, of beer. And then I really like milk stouts. I really like, uh, I'm going to pronounce it wrong because you know I do, but Hefeweizen's or Hefeweizen, whatever. I think it's Hefeweizen. Um, I like those. Uh, and, and craft stuff. I love going to a brewery and doing like a flight of uh, four ounces and, you know, four ounce beers and trying them. I really enjoy that. But I don't do it as often anymore. The next question is top cheap bang for your buck whiskeys. I'm just going to rip a few off the top of my head. Evan Williams bottled and bond. Uh, I'm, I'm, I have a video coming out that's kind of in this vein. Evan Williams bottled and bond. Uh, Monkey shoulder. Mellow corn I think is good, although I understand why some people don't like it. It's kind of a specific taste. Um, I didn't say an Irish one yet. Tullamore do. And that's all I'll say. Oh, a wild turkey 101 rye for a rye or bullet rye is pretty good as well. Um, but I have a video as of the recording of this coming out tonight. Um, as of the posting of this, that video has been out for a little while. What are some good Tennessee whiskeys category I feel is overlooked? I don't know too much about Tennessee whiskeys. I know popular ones, Jack Daniels, obviously. Um, Dickel is another very popular one. I've had Dickel like once or twice, and I can't even give you my opinion on it because it's been so long. Um, not something that I have been super into, although I do want to kind of expand more into it. And I will say on that note that uh, Jack Daniels has very good stuff that's not just a run-of-the-mill Jack Daniels. So I think they often get uh, caricatured as just this like college party whiskey, which has done great for them, great marketing. But they also have very good um, higher-shelf stuff that I really like, and even mid-shelf um, like Jack Daniels Bonded that they just came out with. So, yeah, I, I, I like... Uh, different types of Jack Daniels as well. Have I tried any peerless stuff yet? I did try a couple samples at the Kentucky Bourbon Festival. I remember it had a lot of flavor, a lot of body. I really enjoyed it. That's all that I've had though. And I can't bring myself to come off too much money for some of those bottles. They have some expensive ones. Uh, but maybe I will now that I've tried it. And I know it's, it's decent. The next question is, how do I sensib sensibly explain the false supply and demand scenario let me try this again how do i sensibly explain the false supply and demand scenario of highly allocated whiskey good question um to put it very briefly i just i think that sometimes these supply issues are purposefully exaggerated or in order to be able to charge more money um, and i think we're seeing very good marketing and when something is in demand it makes it more in demand so when the supply is low not only is the, does the price go up, but it makes people kind of want it more. It's like the forbidden fruit that you can't get. And I think we're seeing a lot of that, and I'm hoping we start to see less of it, but we'll see. The next question is, do you think distillers like Buffalo Trace will improve the availability over the coming years? Very similar question. Um, I think so. I think we're going to see things become more available. Maybe not Buffalo Trace specifically, but I think we're going to see whiskey start to become more available. There are people who know a lot more about that than I do, so I don't want to say anything out of pocket. Um, maybe it's just wishful thinking, but I, I hope we're going to see things taper off here in the coming years. But I also hope we don't just see a bubble pop and then a bunch of people lose their jobs. That's not what I'm wishing for either, so we'll see. Uh, can I explain the purpose of char levels? Yes. Uh, to put it briefly, different amounts of char are going to do different things to the wood. So less char is going to expose less surface area of the wood. So you can think as something becomes more charred, if you picture it in your head, it starts off just kind of smooth and charred. And then when it gets really, really charred, it's super rugged. It's super bumpy. Um, so that's going to give you different surface level, surface areas of the barrel at different char levels. And also, uh, it's going to caramelize the sugars in there. It's going to 
obviously it's chemically changing the wood a little bit, so it's going to give you slightly different flavors, to put it very briefly. Uh, and for those who don't know what char levels are, barrels can have different char levels. So it's, it's telling you how long the barrel is being burned for at a certain temperature in order to get a certain amount of char on the barrel. Um, that's what they are, and those are the differences between the different levels. Should finished bourbons still be allowed to be called bourbon? I think finished bourbons should be allowed to be called finished bourbons, and that's my stance. I know a lot of people disagree with me, but I don't like just calling them bourbons full stop. There are some people who do, and I might say it in conversation, or if I'm not thinking, I might say like that bourbon. I say it a lot, um, but if we're talking like the aisle in the liquor store, I think it should be finished bourbon. There should be an area for the finished bourbons. The next question is a fun one. Bear versus gorilla, who wins? I'm going to say bear, specifically grizzly, because they terrify me. I, I can't think of a predator that scares me more than a grizzly bear. And I know for a fact I could not beat a gorilla in a fight, but a weird part of the back of my brain thinks maybe I could. I couldn't, but I know for sure that I would lose to a bear. The next question is thoughts on Keeper's Heart. Uh, I really like Keeper's Heart. I've had a couple different things from them, and both times it's been very unique, and, and I like what they're doing. The blending is interesting. The way they're blending it is is working. It's not just making things taste weird, and I like that about it. So I like Keeper's Heart, and I've been impressed with what I've had from them. The next question is, what are my favorite peated and non-peated scotches? Well, I mentioned Lagavulin 16 in the the realm of peated. I also just had the Brook Lottie, Classic Laddie, or Classic L- I know I kept saying Lottie. It's, it's Laddie, but I'm like saying it with an accent, even though I don't have one. The Brook Lottie, Classic Laddie, I just had on the show last week. I really enjoyed that, uh, and maybe it's because it's new that it's on my mind that I'm saying that one for a non-peated scotch. also think Glenfiddich 12 years, a very easy drinker um and yeah that's where i'll leave that for now i suppose the next person says having started the channel are you able to write off your bourbon purchases depends on if the irs is listening no uh i can't unless i'm using it specifically for the show and i can't say that there's any bottle in this room right now that i'm specifically using for the show um i will drink them like on my personal time. However, I have considered starting to do that, starting to like, this is only for whiskey noobs. Um, but no, I, I cannot write off those purchases right now. Technically, I could write off the amount of it that I am drinking for the show, but that sounds like a logistical nightmare. So I'm not going to do that as of right now. Might start making bottles, just whiskey noobs bottles though. We'll see. The next person asks, how can I send you a bottle of mine to try? It's a favorite of mine. I answer this one. I I put it on the show because I want to say I really appreciate that. I I am so thankful that people want to send me bottles and samples to try. However, as a rule, I do not accept bottles and samples from listeners. And there's a couple reasons for that. The first is it's a logistical nightmare. It's really hard to legally send alcohol in the United States to ship it. Um, And even if we could meet in person, the second reason for that is if I accept samples from one person, I have to accept them from everybody. And I'm so thankful. I appreciate it. But I just physically cannot drink that amount of whiskey, especially with the number of reviews that I have to put out every week or that I have to try and and talk to distillers about. So for that reason, I uh, don't accept samples, but I'm so grateful that you guys are willing to offer them to me. 
The next question is, is Buffalo Trace just hyped for the hunt of the bourbon or truly the best bang for your buck? I think Buffalo Trace full stop, like the bourbon, is very good if you can find it for less than $35, or especially if you can find it less than $30. But I do think it's very much overhyped and the brand, the distillery in general, is definitely overhyped. The last question, because we are running out of time, uh, I meant to make this part of the long form questions and I forgot, so I apologize, but hey, we're saving the best for last. This question comes to us from a patron and it is, what are all your different options for sugars, bitters, and whiskey types that you're using for the old fashioned challenge? They said they think it sounds like fun and other people might want to do it as well. For those of you who don't know, the Old Fashioned Challenge is a series that I'm doing on TikTok, Instagram, and on YouTube Reels. And I took an app that allows you to make spinning wheels with random selections, and I plugged in ingredients to Old Fashions. I use those spinning wheels to put together different Old Fashioned recipes, and then I make the Old Fashioned recipe, and I post my reaction to it. So... uh, I've been doing that series and it's a lot of fun. I'm ranking all of the old fashions. Here are the ingredients that I use. So for bitters, I have cherry bitters, walnut bitters, sassafras bitters, peach bitters, chocolate bitters, your normal run-of-the-mill Angostura bitters, and I also have orange bitters on here, but I recently realized that I'm out, so I have to buy more or take it off the wheel. For garnish, I've got cherry, orange, lemon, cherry and orange, cherry and lemon, or no garnish at all. And for syrups, I have brown sugar syrup, cherry syrup, which is just like from the cocktail cherries, maple syrup, and then normal syrup, simple syrup uh, made just with sugar. Uh, And then for whiskeys, I've got finished bourbon, high rye bourbon, weeded bourbon, just bourbon that doesn't say whether it's high rye or uh, finished or weeded, none of those specific categories, but just bourbon. Uh, And then I've got rye, and I also have finished rye. But I might take finished rye off the list because right now my only finished rye is barrel seagrass. And that seems a little bit unfair because I love barrel seagrass. And so I feel like I'm always going to rank it high. And, and it's because I, I like it so much. So uh, I might take finished rye off that list. But those are what I'm using at home. Uh, and so if you want to try it yourself, I highly recommend it. It's been a lot of fun. All right. Those are all the questions. Let's dig into this mystery whiskey tasting one more time. And then we're going to get out of here. So I've already mentioned, this is fruit forward. It definitely has a little bit of what I will call maltiness to it. Uh, Granola, buttery, sweet, those sorts of things. And I'll add in that it almost has a little bit of a cocoa note, a little bit of a chocolatey note to it that makes it a little bit different. And the reason I add that in is you may have narrowed it down to something with single malt in it. I don't even want to say scotch. Uh, something with single malt in it, that might be Borrowed Page, Volume 2, which we just had on the show not long ago. That might be Virginia Distillery Company's Courage and Conviction, which we also just had on the show. Hopefully, you narrowed it down to those two. If you didn't, no worries. Practice makes perfect. But if you did, which one did you guess? I'll give you one more second to decide. This is Virginia Distillery Company's Courage and Conviction American Single Malt, and it is delightful. That's why I wanted to have it again, because I wanted to try it again, because I haven't had it since that episode, and it is as tasty as I remember. It's very interesting. 
I love where American single malts are going. I think they're a lot of fun, and I'm excited to see where that category of whiskey goes. That's all the time that I've got for this episode, though, guys. So thank you so much to everybody who submitted questions and who continues to submit questions uh, through Instagram. Once again, every Wednesday, at whiskey underscore noobs. On my story, I post a sticker. You can click on the sticker. You can submit your question. If you want to jump to the front of the line, please join that Patreon page. Please consider joining. Just go check it out at the link in the show notes. It is hopefully going to help to really expand this podcast and really bring you guys some higher quality content, which I'm really looking forward to. That is all that I have time for right now, though, guys. So thank you so much for listening. I will leave you with learn to drink, drink to learn. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of Whiskey Noobs. If you need more Whiskey Noobs content in your life, make sure you check out our Patreon page in the show notes. And if you like the show, please make sure to leave a five-star rating or review. It only takes a couple of minutes, and they're way more helpful than people realize. If you want to do tastings alongside the show, make sure you join the email list by sending an email to whiskeynoobspodcast at gmail.com with a subject line that says email list. You'll receive monthly emails with a list of the whiskeys that will be featured throughout the month so that you can buy them ahead of time. You can also find more Whiskey Noobs content on Instagram at Whiskey underscore Noobs and on TikTok at Whiskey Noobs Podcast. Once again, thank you guys for listening. The Whiskey Noobs Podcast does not support underage or otherwise irresponsible consumption of alcohol.